Now, Fianna Fáil this weekend held its 81st Ardesh. With local and European elections next year and a general election on the horizon, the party is in government but still languishing in the opinion polls. Before we came on air, I spoke to party leader Tornishta Michal Martin, who is also, of course, Minister for Foreign Affairs and Defence. I began by asking him about the unfolding situation in Gaza. It is an appalling situation. Uh, it is a human catastrophe, as the United Nations agencies warned uh, two weeks ago. Um, and this war is bringing nothing but death and misery. And it has to stop. And it should stop. Um, and we've been clear through United Nations resolutions in supporting them and in all of the conversations we're having uh, across the region and with Israel, that this war should stop. Are we watching Um, war crimes? Are we watching genocide unfold in front of our eyes? We certainly could be watching war crimes unfolding. Uh, The International Criminal Court has jurisdiction and the prosecutor has made that clear in the Middle East. And I believe there should be full accountability for what is happening here. Uh, I've always been of the view that the bombing of dense uh, urban areas inevitably there's no question you cannot do it without killing civilians and killing children uh, and I don't believe there has been any proportionality attached to this uh, it's disproportionate by by any measure and it's not necessary uh, I understand well sorry you say Israel it's not necessary you, you've consistently said that Israel has a right to defend itself and after what happened on October 7th a lot of people will understand um, they might not approve but they can understand what, what Israel is going through. But if Hamas is dug into tunnels underneath civilian areas, underneath hospitals, underneath mosques, underneath schools, how does Israel exercise its right to defend itself without massacring civilians? There's no doubt. I mean, the the, the Hamas attack was um, a savage, brutal, barbaric attack on the equivalent of 10,000, if you took France, it was 10,000 French citizens equivalent killed in, in, in Israel. So the anger and the right of Israel to take on Hamas... Uh, and, and, to, and to address the Hamas challenge, yes, they have that right. And how, uh, but it's the pursuit and the manner and the methodology I think people are questioning. You cannot take out a civilian population along with that. You can't make calculations that if I get one Hamas commander, it's, you know, it's OK to take out um, 100 civilians. And um, I, I don't want to put it as cruelly that, but that's what's manifesting. Uh, I think intelligence-led approaches to terrorism have always been more effective. Uh, and I think a more consistent long-term approach, uh, in my view, would yield far better results in respect of, 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 of Hamas uh, and working with other uh, countries in the region uh, who, are, who are also, by the way, fearful of uh, Islamic terrorism as well in terms of the impact it can have on their states. Yeah. I think that to me would be more of a more effective way. And I think what's needed is a more rational, strategic approach to both dealing with Hamas, but also dealing with the political context and the historic conflict that has been there mm. in terms of Israel and Palestine. And yet we have the heritage minister in the Israeli government today talking about the possibility of nuking Gaza. And he went on to say that uh, the people of Gaza can go to Ireland or to the deserts. He wants, he wants to get, they want to get rid of them. And that's something that's, that has been resisted strongly by uh, neighbouring countries such as Egypt and Jordan, uh, because that is not a solution. The expulsion of Palestinians is not a solution. Uh, there has to be a two-state uh, solution to this. Ultimately. And yet many observers and say the two-state solution is dead because Benjamin Netanyahu deliberately set out to kill it. There's no doubt that there, ha- there, there has been no uh, concerted focus uh, or political will to 
bring about a two-state solution. And the, the minister you quoted there, one of the problems in the current Israeli government is the, the lurch to the far right. And there are elements in that government that uh, whose pronouncements and whose policies are unacceptable. Uh, in terms of how they've performed and behaved. And I've, I witnessed that uh, in the West Bank when I was out there only over a month ago. The far right uh, uh, religious extremism in terms of some of the settlement, settlement projects now that are taking place and the violence associated with those settlement projects in terms of the displacement of Bedouins, the displacement of Palestinians. I met young children whose schools were attacked. Uh, that is not the future. Um, and the only way you ultimately get security, as we know, in Ireland, is people learning to live peacefully together in coexistence. And I believe one of the strategic faults of Israeli policy historically has been to undermine moderate Palestinian opinion. And their actions have actually hardened and radicalised opinion within Palestine to the detriment ultimately of security. And I believe it's important that work starts to build up the Palestinian Authority uh, and to build up its credibility, its support and its resources. And that's why we've put extra funding into UNRWA to support uh, Palestinians in terms of their education and in terms of their health. We need to strengthen UN agencies uh, and we need to strengthen the moderate um, political um, centre of, 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 of Palestinian public opinion. Where we have, I think it's 40 Irish citizens in Gaza. Um, none of them as of yet have, have uh, got out. Are you hopeful that they will? We are. Uh, and um, we have been working with both the Israeli authorities. Our ambassador in Israel has been working extremely hard on this and with the Egyptian um, uh, authorities as well uh, with a view to getting our citizens out. And I will be having further calls uh, with ministers in the region, um, with Egyptian foreign minister as well, to, to make sure that we get our citizens out. Clearly, Ireland is in flavour of the month uh, in Israeli government circles. Are our citizens being held back as punishment for the position we've taken? We've no evidence for that uh, at all. Um, um, but uh, we've been working with the Israeli authorities. We're not on the list. We weren't on the list in the last number of days. That's just a fact. Um, but we will work uh, on a continuing basis to get our citizens out. Uh, there are reports, suggestions that there might be an Irish citizen uh, captive uh, in Gaza, one of one of the hostages taken uh, on, on October 7th. Uh, the Iranian foreign ministry said that you had spoken to their minister, that hostages was one of the, the issues dealt with. Is there an Irish citizen held hostage? Well, again, as I said to you, uh, we're working to get every civilian, Irish civilian, out of Gaza. I'm not in a position to comment on that um, and I don't intend to comment on any specific case. Um, and, but you've discussed um, it with the Iranians. I'm not, year and a, we're working Well, the Iranians every, said you did. That, that's, that's a matter for the Iranian Foreign Minister. We're doing everything we possibly can to get all civilians out and I... Uh, we, we, we generally don't comment on individual situations and uh, for... And, I would ask you to respect my uh, position on that. I'm not going to comment further at this stage. I, I certainly will. Um, obviously, the uh, situation in Gaza, it's a horrendous humanitarian disaster, catastrophe. You use whatever term you want. It also obviously has the uh, potential to have an impact on the global economy. We're already seeing a few worrying hints about the economy. Growth is down. Unemployment still at a historic low, but slight uptick uh, last month. Obviously, there's problems with corporation tax. Three months in a row, they've, they've, uh, they've been falling. Um, are you starting to get a little bit concerned? Well, to be fair, we've been saying this for quite some time that uh, some of that corporation tax revenue was once off, uh, hence the creation of two new funds to try and make sure that we put funding aside. Um, November will be a critical month in this respect in terms of corporation tax. Uh, but clearly the international trading side of the economy is not doing as well as it did last year and the year before. Our markets that we export into 
some are in recession. And so uh, we're not selling the same volume of goods or services into those markets. The domestic economy is still very resilient. Income tax and VAT are up by about 8 to 10%. Uh, so there's a resilience within the domestic economy. Monetary policy globally is having impact. Inflation is coming down. So that we're, we're, you're witnessing that in terms of the global economy. Um, and, and so that's important overall for the sustainability of our economy into the future that we get inflation down to, to low levels. So I think we can um, ride this out, um, so as to speak, and, and hopefully uh, that our markets that we export into start picking up um, next year uh, and the year after. But certainly uh, there is, um, the last two months have indicated um, a slowdown of corporation tax receipts. November will be a key month. Soft landing? I uh, wouldn't use language like that. Um, and uh, look, we're, we're a small open economy. We've carried surpluses with us for the last number of years. We've put funding aside. Uh, we have been conscious of the fact that a lot of the corporation tax was once off. But a small open economy is always vulnerable to international headwinds. Now, you mentioned climate change. We've seen the uh, one of the outcomes of that in flooding in various parts of the country, devastating flooding, uh, people's homes, people's businesses, uh, destroyed, uh, really. And people are finding it more and more difficult to get flood insurance for, for, for their homes. Now, the Business Post is reporting today that the government is examining a public-private partnership with insurance companies. That sounds like the state is going to be left on the hook. Well, again, there has, I haven't seen concrete proposals on that front yet, but I think what is clear is we are witnessing climate events. Because uh, I went to Middleton uh, and Omicron McGrath with up to Louth these are not the kind of normal flooding events that we would have gone to. Uh, it was in East Galway and, 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 and the Midlands recently to meet farmers who have been long-term now affected by um, turlocks and flooding and so on. So uh, the, the, the point I would make is there's two things. First of all, where people don't have insurance because of consistent flooding, the state has intervened and we've enhanced the schemes only most recently. And those people will that. presumably get flooded again. Uh, there's every danger. So, there's the every danger. so therefore, I think we have to move much faster now on adaptation. Uh, we have a very strong climate strategy. There is an adaptation strategy still to be published and framework. Uh, and on flood release schemes, um, they've taken, uh, they, they all go through lengthy journeys. Conceptually, they can be complex. There can be planning issues. Uh, there's a lot of public consultation. But it seems to me where we've put in the flood relief schemes, the impact has been effective. In other words, for Moyes, Mallow, Clonmel, uh, areas like that, the flooding schemes have abandoned most recently. The, the flooding schemes have been effective. Uh, and I do think I would... From a societal perspective, we need more give and take here. Uh, the, the flood scheme in Cork went the whole way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and I would respectfully suggest it, that shouldn't happen. There well, has people, to be have a, people have a they right have, to take but, a case. But equally, people have a right to, 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 to their businesses and their homes being protected as well. And it needs balance. We, yeah. we can't, it can't be our way or no way. You know, there has to be compromises along the way. And I think we have to inculcate in society that sense of give and take. The same will happen with offshore wind energy. Like we need offshore wind energy to get rid of fossil fuels to deal with climate because climate is an existential crisis. That will need give and take. Um, and I think we just have to work on that aspect. And that's a societal issue. I don't say that in a kind of a blame game. I'm simply saying, you know, these f climate events are a, a massive wake-up call to society. We can't hang around forever. Uh, we've got to adapt uh, our infrastructure now to protect people. OK, you mentioned ministers visiting flood, uh, flooded areas with... Uh 
with checks in, in their in their hands and all the rest of it. The good people of Newry uh, watching that might wonder where their ministers are. Any sign of Stormont getting back up and running? I think it's a very, very fair point. Uh, and we were hopeful some weeks back that there was more progress being made. Um, but again, that seems to have ebbed. Um, and I think it's uh, urgent that the executive and the assembly is restored. Uh, I met with uh, both SDLP and Alliance members last night at our Ardesh. But the people of Northern Ireland, they have huge health issues in terms of the health services, uh, education and so on. And the centre cannot hold there in respect of, of the fiscal situation, the budgetary situation, um, if the executive doesn't come back. And obviously we will be discussing this with the British government uh, in terms of next steps if the executive is not coming back or if the assembly is not coming back. We need and, clarity and around that because my understanding when? is, well, I think within the next number of, 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 of weeks because my understanding is the British government and the DUP have more or less come to a conclusion in respect of the issue that were raised. Okay, uh, you mentioned health. Great to see Stephen Donnelly on the telly last night. I don't think I've seen him since the uh, since the budget. Uh, are you planning to keep him locked up in a basement in government buildings until the election? Ah, he's been around Dyler and he's been sitting next to me in Dyler. Hasn't been doing on, too many media on, interviews. On, on, on the front bench. Uh, well, as I take leaders' questions on a Thursday, right. uh, has always been very helpful um, in terms of vision, vision but and no so sound. Like so I, I think, first of all, I think the, the growth in, and expansion of health services in the last three years has been very significant. But as you, I haven't, last, you haven't funded well, the health service for next year. Out, as I pointed out last night in my speech, we have introduced permanent cost reductions in terms of access to health, in terms of the dunk payment threshold, in terms of people paying for medicines, inpatient charges right. for children and adults all abolished. Um, GP cover now expanded to 60% of yeah. the population. That, so that all costs money. No, yeah. absolutely. But, no, but it all costs money right? and it has to be included and, and in the I budget and it has Stephen, to be provided for. I would give Stephen Donnelly a lot of credit for the women's health initiatives that he's introduced. First Minister to bring funding in for IVF, uh, menopause clinics, uh, free contraception. Uh, so he's been very progressive on that front. No, on the budgetary side, yes, there will be significant um, supplementary towards the end of this year. And I think we will uh, assess that uh, and, and its implications for next year. OK. Um, <coughs> the Taoiseach says Ireland needs to slow down the number of Ukrainians coming here. He suggests that we can't continue to offer unlimited state-provided accommodation at no cost. Do you agree with him? I think we, we need a comprehensive package um, in, in terms of how we deal with the next phase uh, of this. I think Ireland has responded very generously. Uh, per capita, we're probably one of the highest in Europe. Uh, Putin wanted to create a migratory crisis as part of his war, and he has succeeded in creating the greatest uh, human displacement since World War II on, on, on the mainland of Europe. But we've taken about 100,000. So we are examining that, and we're going to look at that across all departments um, in respect of, of, of a broader package uh, to see how we how we respond to the next phase. But are we trying to get the message across to the Ukrainians that uh, there isn't really a place for you here? No, I think there, there are limits on what we can do. Uh, and I think we acknowledge that. And there have been challenges in terms of the sheer scale of our response, not just to the Ukrainian situation, but also to those seeking uh, asylum. Because, again, of the conflict all over the world and because of the impact of climate change. And there are many, many people all over the world fleeing authoritarian regimes, fleeing countries and seeking a better future. Uh, and that is the fundamental <clears throat> issue here. Uh, and again, Ireland, and that's why our overseas and development uh, programmes are so important, to try and create quality lives for people where they live in Africa, in the Middle East and elsewhere. That, that's ultimately where the world has to go here. Uh, and I think it's a huge challenge, not just facing Ireland, facing all of Europe, 
Okay, you might not agree with the characterisation of of there having been a row at Cabinet about it, but um, somebody around the table leaked your own uh, observations, shamefully, given the uh, Cabinet collective responsibility. And you were reported as having said that um, the proposals from Roderick O'Gorman would ultimately make the accommodation uh, of Ukrainian refugees problem part of the wider housing housing crisis. But it is part of the wider housing crisis, isn't it? Well, I think... It's first and foremost a response to a war. Like we are in wartime in Europe. And some of the commentary around this, oh, we should have this ideal sort of system, I think is lacking uh, a realistic sort of perspective. We're in a war situation. That is why 100 So when people complain about people being housed in tents... I think we, look, the vast majority are not housed in tents and those that are are very short. No, I, I think we need to put, push back a bit on that because the vast, vast majority have not been in tents and um, Ireland have responded, I think, not just from a housing perspective, I think from an education perspective. I think schools have been fantastic in terms of giving children an education. That's a matter of concern to me. I think children, no matter where they come from in the world, once they come into Ireland, we have a solemn duty to, to educate children. OK, but if in order yeah. to educate them, we need to give them somewhere to live. Correct. There's nowhere... To give them. <clears throat> Correct. Well, I think, sorry, not, there is, we will have places and we have succeeded in providing places um, for, for, for Ukrainian children um, and for Ukrainians, but it's been challenging and it's been difficult. And I think the Minister for Children, to be fair to him and to his department, they've been under huge pressure. Uh, but I think we need to respond um, with a broader package of measures. Um, and, and we will be engaging with, with the Ukrainian authorities and Ukrainian ambassador in this respect as well. OK, you had your Ardesh yesterday. Will you still be Fianna Fáil leader when the next Ardesh comes around? Or I the will. Next, at the next general election, more importantly. I, I will indeed, yeah. I will indeed. And we're getting ready for the local elections and the mm. European elections. Uh, as you know, yesterday Billy Keller and, and Barry Andrews uh, hosted um, a session on okay, the European... OK, you're not name-checking all your uh, councillors. Um, um, no, are I you, won't. Are you, definitively, yeah, yeah, are you yeah. definitively ruling yourself out as Ireland's next European commissioner? Yeah, I'm, I'm running for the the next general election, uh, whenever that will be, and I'll contest that election uh, as leader of Fianna Fáil. OK, uh, well, that's an interesting question. When will the next election be? Well, I, my view is it should go the full distance uh, so to March the spring 25. of 2025. And I've always been of that view because I think that gives us stability and continuity to government. Uh, it, it gives stability and certainty to the economic actors and development. Um, and also, I think it allows for government policies to uh, embed and to be impactful. Uh, and already we're beginning to see that in terms of 30,000 households last year, likely to get to 30,000 houses this year built and I think we can do uh, a, a strong performance in 2024 as well in terms of the housing issue. Okay, the uh, the date of the general election constitutionally is, is in the, the power of the Taoiseach but presumably you'll consult, he'll consult with you before naming a date? Uh, presumably he will, yeah. And uh, I think any party at any stage can, can take a decision to leave government. Um, but I think, yeah, look, I think we've agreed we'll consult and we do discuss these issues and I think my views are well known. Okay, he said he's ruled out uh, going into the election with with any kind of a vote transfer pact does that is that your view as well yeah i i, I don't believe in uh, transfer packs uh, i think first of all we have a multi-seat uh, proportional electoral system uh, which brings its own fragmentation but which gives the voter a lot of choice voters don't necessarily like being told uh, how you should vote number two or number three or number four or number five. And I think we should respect voters' choices as well. And I think it has to focus on policies, though. And I, I think people will vote, generally speaking, either policies or personalities. But are you keeping your coalition options open when you go into that? Direction? Well, I think we want to go into government with parties with like-minded policies. Um, and I think this government has been coherent. It's come through big crises. Uh, we've managed to navigate the Brexit um, the uh, COVID-19, the first pandemic in a century, uh, a war on Ukraine. 
inter international uh, instability uh, and we've managed to keep our e economy uh, resilient. So I think it's been a strong government. <coughs> Philip Ryan in the Sunday Independent this morning suggests your once rock solid opposition to coalescing with Sinn Féin is now watery at best. What do you make of that? Uh, I wouldn't agree with Philip entirely in, in that assessment and uh, I think you know my, my focus has been on the policy front and I believe we need to discuss the substance of policy more then, uh, but you could surely come to a coalition agree a program for government with Sinn Fein. I think it would be very, very difficult. Why? Very, very difficult. Just take the the, the attitude on, on on the Middle East. It, it flip flops all over the place. People before profit puts it under pressure. Last week it abstains in a motion on expelling the Israeli ambassador. This week they want the Israeli ambassador expelled, and in the press release they're saying that Ireland should maximise its uh, diplomatic outreach on the on the crisis. How can you do that if you? break off diplomatic relations with one country. My point is it flip-flops. It's pulled to the far left very quickly. Uh, it, it, that wasn't a serious uh, proposition by Sinn Féin, in my view, which calls into question whether in government it would be a serious proposition at all. OK, so you're not definitively ruling them out, though? I, I'm going to fight this on policy uh, that's a, a, and, and not on the numbers game. OK. As soon as this interview is over, you're heading to the airport for a trip to China, a three or four day trip. What sort of a reception are you expecting, given that last May the Chinese embassy here accused you of over-exaggerating the differences between China and Ireland, making misleading comments about China's stance on international issues and making groundless accusations against China on issues relating to Taiwan, Xinjiang and Hong Kong, interfering in China's internal affairs. That's a response to a speech you gave at the Royal Irish Academy. That's pretty damning, isn't it? Yeah, that was a significant speech I gave, uh, setting out Ireland's position in respect of our policy and our relationship with China, which we want to maintain. And we have a strong relationship economically, culturally, um, with China that has developed particularly over the last two to three decades uh, and the trade has grown exponentially and um, you know we've Minister Charlie McConnell and others have been uh, to China in, in Minister Eamon Ryan in respect of climate so along with other European Union partners we're very clear um, in terms of the potential for very strong cooperation economically, climate and so on. But we have to be clear-eyed about it. Uh, and I think the, the China of today is somewhat different to the China of 20 years ago. But nonetheless, as I said earlier, there's a con common desire for stability across the globe. Uh, it, it is a huge power. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the visit, to meeting with the foreign minister. And we will discuss these issues uh, in, in a respectful um, way. And I think they acknowledge our positions. We acknowledge theirs. And that was Tony to Michal Martin speaking to us earlier. After the break, we'll be getting the latest from Israel and Gaza.